Hello there everyone and welcome to this, the first of its kind, a miniature, more bite-sized, but topic-specific episode, a little sight to be with you. My returning guest is none other than the legendary Dr. Rachel Cowart, joining me to discuss her recent book, The Zeitgeist of Pop Culture, The Witcher an edited collection of chapters with psychological analysis of characters from the continent. This is an editorial behind-the-scenes look as we go through the book chapter by chapter to learn about the contents, the authors, and how some of the chapters came to be. This episode is not to be missed for Witcher fans of the books, games, or Netflix show. If you want to learn more about my returning guest, check out Season 2, Episode 3 of the podcast, where I interview Dr. Cowart. And also, read this book attached, wherever you found this episode, is a link. Read it for free digitally right now. If you really enjoy it, buy a paperback copy for yourself, friends, family, your pets, do it i really hope you enjoy this episode and the book as much as i do hello there everyone and welcome to this ultra special first of its kind episode of sight to be with you a little sight to be with you a bite-sized chunk of the familiar podcast that we all know you know and love not only that our first ever returning guest joins me uh they'll introduce themselves in a moment they have their own episode uh so we can we can you know we can do a little biography a little you know lots of littles and then we're going to be getting into this episode so uh, my very special guest if you could please just introduce yourself my name is dr rachel cohort i am the research director of take this and i think the reason i'm here is because i am the editor of a new book uh the zeitgeist of pop culture of the witcher there we there we have it. This this new it, the unscripted, unabridged, bite size one topic. We're gonna drill down. We're talking about zeitgeist of pop culture, The Witcher, new book. I also want to be the uh, X number at this point person to compliment your your, your wonderful dress. If you could uh, describe you. for those listening at home. I I'm wearing a, a dress from the Black Milk Clothing. They did a Witcher launch like a year ago, and I managed to snag a Witcher dress and. I don't wear it that often, and I wore it today, and I've gotten so many compliments, which means I must wear it every day now until the end of time. Yennefer Vangerberg, eat your heart out. That's all I've got to say. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, so, the Sidegeist of Pop Culture, what's that? Sidegeist is, is your kind of uh, brand, brand name, business operations? Yeah, uh, Sightgeist, I, I came up with a new phrase to describe it. It is a multimedia content production studio, um, which consists of my YouTube channel, Sightgeist, but also now the Sightgeist of Pop Culture series of books, which is being published by ETC Press, which is hosted out of Carnegie Mellon. And it is a series of books that highlights iconic pop culture stories through the lens of psychology. And of course, because you know me and hopefully your listeners know me or if they don't, they know me now. If they uh, don't, the witch- how do they not? Like, let's start, let's start back a not? moment. Like. Um, but if they do, the one thing they know about me is that the witcher is kind of my thing. So the witcher had to be first. The world famous Cavill influencer, RIP gone but not forgotten. You know, you know, I did have a birthday cake once that said Cavill influencer. And I believe you gave it to me. <laughs> I did with with friend of the show Beth Thomas uh, had a huge yes. hand in making that happen. But we did present you with a caval cake. Um, we love that. So, you know, how how do you make a book like this happen? 
how do you make a book like this happen? You have the idea um, and then you pitch it. And thankfully, Brad King, who is uh, one of the editors at Chief at ETC Press, I have a longstanding friendship and working relationship with him. And I said, hey, this looks like kind of a series that I've been thinking about for a while. I'd really like to do it. And he was like, yeah, we'll have that. So it was pretty smooth. <laughs> okay. So you've got, you've got the deal in principle. Got the deal. That's all well and good. Then you got to yes. make a book happen. Uh, you describe yourself as the editor. What does that mean? Yeah. So I had this idea basically of looking at different aspects of The Witcher through a psychological lens. So since I'm very familiar with the subject material, I was like, okay, what do we want to talk about? We want to talk about loss and trauma and we want to talk about unrequited love. And what are kind of these basic psychological elements that we see time and again in these stories? And so you write them down and you make a list and you think of the different characters. And so you start out with kind of a rough, like, okay, here's eight to 10 ideas that I think would be really great in this collection. And then you say, or at least I did in my process, who are eight to 10 people who I think would be really great at writing these stories. And I started reaching out to them being like, hey, I'm doing this cool thing. Um, and thankfully, you know, they all, all my friends are really cool and they all got on board. They all took that bait. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> So obviously we're we're talking at this at a, at a point in time where the book is is what what I would describe as post production. It's it's ready yeah. for release basically. Um, yeah. You know we don't have a release date at this time, but right. you know it's there. It's done. How it's done. different is the end product from what you envisioned when you thought about it initially? It's such a good question, and I was just talking about this with a colleague of mine. It's better. I didn't, I knew it would be good. Like genuine, I was like, this is going to be great. It's The Witcher and it's a lot of great colleagues are really good at writing. It's just beyond what I even imagined it would be. It's thoughtful and it's funny. And there's a chapter in there um, about a character I wasn't familiar with because it's from uh, the Blood and Wine expansion, which I haven't played. And I, and I read that chapter and it made me like actually cry when I was reading it. And I was just like, wow, this is just really powerful and really poignant. And it's just so good. Okay, so we, we, we have this book and we have our authors. What, what's that dialogue like? Because, I mean, you know, you said your friends are really awesome. Um, but, like, ha, ha, did you kind of say, listen, I have this idea. Would you want to write for it? Do you want to pick from this list? Like, oh, question. Yeah, so I had definitely some ideas that I for sure wanted included in the book. For instance, I wanted a chapter on unrequited love talking about Tris because I find that Tris is so heartbreaking in, in the books and I definitely wanted to honor her and honor her story. And um, so for that, I, I reached out to a colleague, her name is uh, Celeste uh, San Giorgio. And I said, hey, I think you would be really great to write this like specific chapter. And she was like, you know what? You're right. You pegged me. Like, this is the one I want to write. Whereas others, I had set ideas and I said, hey, I really think you'd be great at writing this. Like when I approached you and you said, actually, I want to write something that you didn't even think of and is not even included in this remit, but I'm going to tell you why it's important. All right. Well, let, let's get into that. <laughs> Just set the scene here. It, it's September 22. You are in the UK keynoting at a conference because, you know, legends be doing legendary activities. Um, you decide for some reason to hang about with me in Liverpool. Um, and I'm pretty sure we were like, we were at dinner and you were like, so Chris, I've got this idea. Got this book. Would you? 
Yeah, would you do it? I hadn't even pitched it yet, I don't think, to ETC Press. I just had it, it was marinating. And you were and like, you said, would you would you do this? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I'm, I can't remember what it was, but you said like, oh, would you maybe do this or this? Yeah, right. I don't remember, but you did neither. <laughs> and, and then I was like, let me cook on this. Let me cook on this yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And it was two days, I think, later. We were in... Waiting. Yeah, it was the day we were leaving. We were in the lobby of a hotel uh, at like 9 a.m. or something. And I was like, okay, senior colleague, friend of mine, Dr. Rachel Cohen, you've, <laughs> you've presented me these great options, but I'm, I'm a bit of a wild thing when it comes to nerdy stuff. How about this? And I pitched my idea. You did pitch your idea. And I was like, that's an idea I've never heard before. But you seemed really like, no, no, it's great. And it's going to be good. And I was like, salt. And that's where ethics, ethics and the Witcher code. There it is. It's, I'm, I'm looking at the draft next to me. So I don't forget any of the authors, or any of the titles. And it's chapter one, two, three, chapter four with your name underneath it. Don't know how that happened, but uh, I'm not going to complain. Um, happened in a hotel lobby in Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, uh, it I'm going to call that home field advantage and, and, okay. and call that. <laughs> I think it's it's strange for me, and we'll I guess well, yeah we're going to do like a chapter by chapter, but we'll just get into this because yeah. we started. I was only like I think two books into the series at that point, yeah. but I think yeah. what really stood out for me was the uh, experience with the. I forget what the creature actually happened to be, but it, it's in the series as well. Where like it's it's like a they call it the de the devil, and, you know, like a misspelling of devil. And like Geralt's like, I'm not gonna kill it. It's not actually doing anyone any harm, but I'll tell it to move. He ends up getting knocked out and he get captured by the elves, right? Oh yes, right. And it really got me fixated on this idea of like, yo, Geralt is essentially a mercenary, kills monsters for money, right? But, like, even he has things he won't do, you know? Mm -hmm. And just that idea within the world. And then by mm -hmm. the time you get to, like... I'm on, I'm on uh, Lady of the Lake at the moment. Towered Swallow really gets into it. But, like, for me, anyway, ethics was a huge... It's a huge portion of the story. If you take out all the monsters and ma magic and action, it's mostly people sitting around trying to make the best of impossible situations. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, I kind of basically picked an area that is not only immensely complicated, but also not necessarily like in my field of experience, but I thought this would be fun. Um, and I really enjoyed just going away and learning stuff. Like, Yeah, no, you did a great job. And you're right, it is, you know, there's that famous quote, I'm going to get it wrong now, where it's like, um, evil is evil, it's not lesser, it's not greater, right? Geralt says that to Stryker, I think. And I think that really gets it at the point of like, he is ethical in his decision making, even despite being a mercenary. And I think that's what makes it so interesting. Also, kudos to your chapter because it is the only mention in the whole book, and it's a little bit of a tragedy, but at least it's in there once, of Oxenfurt, which is my favorite city in, in the Witcher world, in the continent. Exactly, right? And I think it's it's really fun because like you, the world is governed by so many different sets of rules. And again, I was kind of fascinated by that. And then obviously we have the the uh, spindle in the works of war and how that changes. Yes. Um, I also want to use this opportunity to to essentially thank you, but also really highlight uh, the quality of your editorial process. Thanks. 
Thank you, sir. <laughs> because I had never done anything like this to, to this scale, to the scope. Yeah. Uh, and, you yeah. know, you, you very much helped. We, we were, I feel like we worked on it together, I'm going to say, maybe. Yeah. You know. That's, what, that's a good collaborative relationship. To really get something that, that I'm personally quite proud of. I'm, I'm very, very happy with what's in it. Great. It's fantastic. Um, so that's that's chapter, what, what number of chapter was that, Rachel? That's chapter four. Chapter, chapter four. four. But now chapter one is the intro. Does that really count? I don't know. Yeah. I wrote like a really short intro. It's like 500 words. I don't know if that counts, but that technically is chapter two. Okay. So let's let's roll through it. The introduction just, intro does it introduce the entire series as a whole or, or just really like this book? No, it's called Welcome to the Continent. So it's a brief introduction about what The Witcher is, transmedia experience, very popular book, very popular game, very popular Netflix series. Um, and just kind of regurgitates the little blurb that I pitched you all when I got when I hooked you in um, about why it's important. So it's kind of just like a little short little note for me. Do, do you think that this book is accessible to people that maybe like aren't like maybe like massive you know book nerds or game nerds like do you think this book is for any particular audience yeah you know i the the remit of the book and all of the books in the series is that uh for instance in this case with the witcher if you're a fan of the witcher and you want to delve a little bit more into the characters or the stories and the psychology behind it you'll love it if you're like a psych 101 teacher who's like hey i want to teach about resilience and trauma but this textbook's kind of boring here's a chapter about siri and the witcher and that's relatable and people are super into it i'm going to use this chapter as an intro to talk about resilience and trauma i wanted to be able to kind of run the gamut of who could could engage with it and get something from it so it's really for everyone it's written you know not in an academic style it's written in a very accessible way the chapters are not super long they're easy to read um a good you know bedside table book if you will i i certainly tried to make mine conversational i crack a few jokes you know yeah. things like that um yes. i my kind of belief with i would say content a sort of someone that makes content is i wouldn't i don't make anything that i wouldn't consume myself right Yes. And and I think with academic stuff, like I'll consume academic stuff, but that's clearly a different tone than like, I wanted my husband and my mom and my friend's teenage son to all be able to read it and understand it and get something out of it, you know? You know, Dr. Rachel Kohler here, champion of scientific communication, writing a book to such effect. There you go. There you go. Let's go through the list. Next chapter. What we got? The next chapter, chapter two, is Embodying Geralt Through Vocal Performance, which is written by Doug Huckle, who many of you may know is the voice of Geralt in the games. Um, he wrote a bit of a memoir style piece. It's a little shorter than the other chapters, but it really talks about how he came to get the, the role as Geralt of Rivia and how he developed the voice and how he embodied that character. And it is so good like i'm gonna say like every chapter is my favorite chapter but when i read his chapter it was really kind of like behind the scenes you felt like you were peeking behind the curtain uh because we know that Geralt's voice is so at least to me so iconic it is it's um, iconic even like in, in is, meme right? format yeah. like i hadn't played the yeah. games i played like a little bit of witcher 3 but like i i knew who it was i knew the voice yeah yeah no it's fantastic to hear uh his perspective and he's a good friend and he's a wonderful human and it, it's the great piece to open the book i think next chapter what we got 
The Outsider Within, Geralt of Rivia Through Monster Theory. So this was written by Seth Pierce, who is a professor of, I want to say theology. I want to say theology. Um, and it is more of a theory chapter around this idea called monster theory. And there's several components about what makes something a monster. And he outlines each theory and he talks about, or he questions this idea of, is Geralt really a monster? Um, looking through the lens of this theory. I mean, as someone who resonates with, you know, the, the white-haired uh, challenge, like, gruff hero, you know, uh, I, I always I always find it, like, because, you know, in one insult, he's actually described as Albino. Um, mm. I think in one of the earlier books, obviously, I, I resonate with that, and it's like, when you are othered, you really are othered, and, and it doesn't matter if Geralt is or is not a monster, if he is perceived as one. Perceived as one, yeah. Yeah, so it's a really nice kind of foundational piece to understand that perception and where it's coming from and what really makes a monster a monster and then the next one's mine which we've discussed totally fine i i think people would it's ethics but like you know if people if the good place was a success this chapter can be a, a success as well you know what i mean I mean, Ethics in the Witcher Code by Christopher Leach is an excellent uh, overview of moral dilemmas and how Geralt approaches those in various different situations throughout the book. And I think it's really important insight, like you said, to understand that despite being a mercenary for hire, like he still has his scruples, like he's not just going to kill everything for money, even though you would think he would based on his job title. Yep. Next chapter. Monsters of Men, Geralt and Non-Toxic Masculinity, which is a chapter that I wrote alongside my colleague, Dr. Kelly Dunlap, um, which is interesting because actually our original idea, we were going to write a chapter on mental health representation in The Witcher, and then it kind of changed <laughs> and turned into an essay kind of rebuking this idea of toxic masculinity through the lens of Geralt and how he is meant to be this really muscular man's man, but he, you know does not embrace the traits that would necessarily be associated with that kind of persona. Yeah, I don't I don't see Geralt as like a lad's lad. You know? I, I think No, like right. He's he expresses emotion, he asks for help, he knows his own limits. Like there, you know, we go like kind of piece by piece of of how he um how he kind of rebukes that idea. But like you, this was not our area of expertise. So it was really interesting for us to really delve deep into this idea of toxic masculinity and like gender studies and, and these things that we don't necessarily engage with in our everyday work. Purely for fun, I am going to highlight the slight hilarity of two women writing a chapter about toxic masculinity. Yeah. We'll leave that yeah. where it is. Next chapter. Next chapter. Okay, so this is an interesting one. The next chapter is Bardic Inspiration, Yaskier's Music Through the Lens of Therapeutic Song Analysis by Ileana Fernandez. This chapter, I knew I wanted a chapter on Yaskir. When I did the original list of like who we have to talk about, it's like we have to have a chapter on Yaskir. And I had asked my friend um, Adam Davis, who is one of the founders of Game to Grow, because he is a drama therapist, if he would write the chapter. And um, originally he said yes, but life happens sometimes and he had to drop out halfway through. And I thought to myself, I cannot publish this book and not have a book on Yaskir. It's impossible. I refuse. Um, and Ileana is a, is a friend and she's a music therapist. And I was like, you might actually be perfect to kind of take your perspective and take your lens. And I, this is one of the instances where it turned out better than I imagined, because what she ended up doing is using therapeutic song analysis to analyze how all of Yaskir's songs change across the seasons of The Witcher. And she, the titles are literally the song heading. It is incredible. And there'll be things like the chords are disharmonious and this can indicate this. And it is 
beautiful. And then obviously her her take on burn butcher burn. I give a round of applause. Um, it's it's really a fun read that chapter. I mean, like uh, that is the kind of stuff that I would want to gobble up. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's so, so interesting. That's delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so good. Next chapter for us. Next chapter. What is love? Tris, don't hurt me by Celeste and Giorgio. Uh, good title. She might win her best title, actually. Um, this is about Tris. You know, Tris is thirsty. Tris kind of gets the short end of the stick, like poor Tris, but she is uh, an important and a pivotal character for many reasons throughout um, the narratives of the Witcher. So I wanted to make sure that she was given her due. And so this chapter is all about her and her perspective and her experiences. I would like to point out for listeners' benefit, because this is a behind the scenes thing. I am family team Tris. I'm pretty sure at one point in my chapter, I mentioned like you know who you choose to romance in the witcher 3 and we had quite an ongoing discussion in the comments uh, about i said trith was the wrong choice <laughs> and i you know steadfastly disagreed no i know i think that's still in your chapter i think i left it because who am i who am i to deny tris her love oh uh, yeah give her our own chapter not not a fan though but... i did i did um, next, Psychology of Attachment, Yennefer Vengerberg, who was written by a friend, I believe, of the show, Marie Shanley, or Anxiety. Um, she took on Yennefer and how her childhood and her relationship with her parents ended up informing all of the, some may say, bad decisions uh, that came to follow in all of her intimate relationships, for instance, with Desaia and with Geralt and um, with Istrid and, and the other people that she engaged with. And Yen's such a fascinating character as well because of the kind of uh, additional kind of lore that we get through the TV show and the way sort yes. of other threads are presented in the books as well. And then you also have the game content. So Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And, and when I did the book, I got a lot of questions from authors saying, should I only draw from the show? Should I only draw from the books or from the games? And I said, draw from them all or just draw from one. Draw from what it is that inspires you. And um, with Yen, it's very firmly in the show, but with Tris, it's from all all the media, like all the little different bits. So it's really kind of cool uh, to see which threads are being pulled in each of the different chapters. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, what do we have next? Oh, trauma. Everyone, a light topic. Uh, Resilience and trauma is a chapter focused on Siri by Gerald, uh, Jared and Elizabeth Kilmer. Uh, I knew Siri obviously had to have her own chapter and Siri's kind of underlying thread of all the things is the consistent amount of trauma that Siri uh, suffers at the hands of others. Um, but it's also about resilience and about how she takes the trauma and manages to still become, you know, a strong, powerful, steadfast woman in her own right. And the fun fact behind the scenes about this chapter uh, is it had no notes. I got a rough draft and I literally wrote nothing on it. And uh, I remember giving it back to Elizabeth. She's like, well, I didn't think it was like that good. Like, I feel like I should still see it and make edits. And I'm like, you really don't. Like, it's no notes. No, no. Okay, wow. GG. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I feel that. like there's just so much you could say about Siri. Such a great character. Again, like, Siri really does get put through the ringer a lot. <laughs> she does. It never really ends. Uh, but I think the perspective that they bring to this chapter is really about the growth mindset, right? So it's not so much about what you experience, but how you're, you channel those experiences 
I feel like you could have done like not you could have, but like I I feel like I would like to maybe one day write about Siri and the pressure of being a protege <laughs> from the, like the PhD supervisee's experience and how <laughs> the weight of expectation, you know, being the child yeah. of destiny, like yeah. Well, that's true. That would be an interesting perspective because yeah. you know, no spoilers, but your girl Siri is popular in demand. She is. Everyone wants to hang out with her. Or other more evil things. I didn't want to use any spoilers. Next chapter, what we got? Next chapter, authoritarian parenting. This is a chapter on Taseya. Uh, at the beginning, again, when I was like, who do we have to have chapters about? I wanted Taseya to have her own spot because I think that her character is so, I don't know what the adjective is. There's something about her character, about how she's so stern and refined and composed, but also incredibly powerful, right? She runs Eratusa. Uh, so the perspective here from Ashley Elliott and Sarah Hayes was her, called authoritarian parenting. So her parenting style, parenting with an iron fist, mm -hmm. so to say, and how that plays out in, in the lives of her mages. And and I think Tazaya is like a, a very, very good kind of, I'm, a secondary character sounds sounds reductive, but like yeah. maybe one that doesn't have as much spotlight as she does influence on other events, right? right. And I think um, maybe I'm, I'm misremembering the books a little bit, but like especially with like the slight adaptations that were made in the latest season, I feel like that right. took away from Tazaya a little bit. Um, not to just dunk on the TV, you know, it's not it's not that type of podcast, but. Um, I think, like in in the book, the the strength of the characters may be more uh, exemplified, amplified, if you will. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair. Next chapter. Next. Ah, th this is the last one that was like, I have to have a chapter on this character. Who's going to write it? Uh, paternalistic leadership: the life and times of Vesemir. I love Vesemir as a character, but I also love Oren from Final Fantasy X. I think I just like the grouchy old men of the story, like which I feel like Vesemir is. Uh, so Hayden Jones took on this chapter and he talked about um, not only the way that Vesemir is portrayed in the books and the Netflix show, but also in the animated series we got about The Witcher, which kind of showed you some of Vesemir's backstory and talked about how Vesemir's upbringing really informed the way that he raises um, his witchers. And it was really great to see not only like the little bit that we all kind of know of Vesemir from the show, but getting a lot of insight more into the backstory and kind of how he came down that path. Especially when like, you know, it really is like, come on lads, you've just gone through these horrific experiments that become witches, let's go. Let's go, yeah. And then how he takes the theory, right? Which is like different than how he took to his witchers and yeah. Interesting. Next chapter. Last but very much not least, this is the only other example, actually, in the whole book where the chapter was pitched to me. And it's called The Psychology of Monstrosity. I'm going to pronounce the name wrong. Emil Regis Rolek Terrazin. God for Regis. Regis. You may know him. I'll, I'll from the Blood and Wine but he has lots of, of names. Um, Regis is by Amelia Hurst. Uh, Hurst. She loves Regis, it's her favorite character. And this is a love letter to him. Uh, and I never played the Blood and Wine expansion. So all I know about Regis is the things that she's told me or the things I've seen on the internet. And I am not lying. I literally shed tears <laughs> reading this chapter 
she talks at the end about some of the interactions and some of the dialogue shared between Geralt and, and Yennefer and, and Regis. And it was just, I don't know, very moving. So this is a chapter about Regis and who he is. And again, through the lens, kind of like monster theory, like the beginning, but a little bit different. She talks more about monstrosity and he's a vampire. And does that really make him a monster? Or what actually makes him a monster and, and his relationship that he shares with Geralt. And it's a great kind of like end cap because like you said, he's not like a main character per se, but he's a very important supporting character. And I think it really just kind of ties everything together about this idea of monsters and men. I firmly do want to say on the record, I'm a huge fan of Regis. Uh, okay. Comes into the books, I think from Baptism of Fire uh, onwards, incredible character. Also gave me one of the few moments in the book where I laughed out loud on a train mm -hmm. and everyone looked at me and I have no regrets. I'm going to regale That's this great. quote now. It's a little bit blue. So if you've got younger listeners around, just turn it down for this moment. But like he's a um, minor spoiler, but he's discussing about like, you know, the, the, who he is. Right. Yep. Um, and how that relates to specific stereotypes. And he makes this comment. It was like, yeah, you, you, you think that we're going to take your women and we're so perverse because we do these things like, yo, know, oral sex you know, and it's so perverse and like, a, you know, medieval religious sort of particularly sort of Christianic kind of you wouldn't do anything for fun. You do it for procreation. God. And then just next line is Geralt mutters. Speak for yourself. Absolutely <laughs> burst out on this train. I was like, hilarious. Fantastic. Fantastic piece of dialogue. Absolutely exquisite. And like, you know, one of the things that like I can't wait to see happen on screen if it does happen. <laughs> I know we'll see I mean I think there's only going to be one more season of the show I think that has been announced that we just finished okay I will say at the time of writing the book season three had not been released mm -hmm. now that we're speaking season three has been released and I did hear I believe that season four is meant to be the last season so we'll see um where the story ends or or where they get to or if Regis is there yeah I mean we got, we've got a fair bit of ground to cover if that's what they yeah, intend to do one season yeah for um, sure. But not impossible, I guess. Nowadays, anything's possible, right? You know, you, you speak the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I speak empty platitudes, but that's me. Um, yeah. Okay, so that was the last chapter. Is there like a formal conclusion in the book? Do we go back around? There's not. That's it. That's the book. So you have the little introduction, and then you have the series of, of kind of core chapters. And take from it what you will. I think for me, it, it really is a book about kind of understanding the motivations more um, and just kind of getting a richer perspective on these characters that we already know and love. And, you know, I, so I, I was going to, I was going to bring this up to you next time we spoke and I'm, I'm, I'm okay. pleasantly yeah. surprised that this is live during an episode, but you know, some <laughs> chapters got tweets, yeah. you know, some chapters got tweets about, you know, how good they were, or how moving they went. Others did not. Um, um, so I'm not, okay. not going to accuse you of playing favorites or anything, but fair. <laughs> um, I love them all. They're all my children. I feel like um, I will say I don't think, like I said, all of them are my favorite. I could make a solid argument for any of them to be my favorite, but I will say there are a bunch of tweets planned when the book is actually released, where I will be tweeting about all of the chapters. But I haven't done it yet because we don't have a release date yet. So you can't like pre-order it or anything yet. So now it just seems cruel 
to tell people about how awesome and great this is and then be like sorry only i've seen it <laughs> I, I will but, say i will say like again we're, we're recording this as promo yeah. by the time you're hearing this you will be able to pre-order links to oh, for everybody yes. episode, all yes. this business yeah. but at that moment things are scheduled yes. it's all up there scheduled it's in the uh, we're just waiting for a few things but the manuscript is done it's edited i have it in front of me i've seen it it's brilliant and beautiful and it's 224 pages there's a, a lot of witcher in there that do you know what that's actually like a really good amount for a book though right like that's like really digestible not too heavy like you're not going to strain yourself reading it you know no you won't read it in one go right it gives you a little bit of meat to hold on to excellent so i think uh is there anything because you know a couple chapters were in you on your list they were pitched to you is there anything that you wish you could have had included well now that siri chapter that you mentioned about like (laughs) the expectations that sounds great but dang the book's already done um i will say in the original pitch before henry cavill was announced that he was leaving the show i very much wanted Henry Cavill to write a chapter about embodying Geralt. My idea was I would have Doug, the voice actor, write one about embodying him. Andrea is the writer of the book to write a chapter about embodying Geralt through writing and Henry to write a chapter about embodying Geralt through acting. I was unable to successfully reach two of those three people. Uh, I'm very grateful that Doug wrote a chapter and I think it's brilliant and wonderful, but I would have liked to have the three because I thought it would have been a really interesting contrast about embodying through writing versus embodying through voice versus embodying through acting. Mm, interesting. I think, yeah, definitely would have added like a different type of flavor, but I, you know, right? I don't think it, you know, the book is no worse off for not having them, right? No, no. And it gave me an excuse to slip into Henry Cavill's DM which I very much unashamedly did like, like you hadn't already at least thought about doing that. I, I'm not. I am a respectful woman. I had not. It was my first DM slipping in. But okay. That's not the best way to reach someone. But, you know, I had no other option. All right. So that that's kind of zeitgeist of pop culture, The Witcher. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity as editor editress is that is editor agenda term i don't know um as the person leading these this flagship (laughs) series um can you give us the the scoop on what else we can expect to see the zeitgeist of pop culture of yes there are a few unannounced projects in the works but of the announced ones um we're going to see the uh mandalorian i believe is going to be the second one to come uh, followed by Umbrella Academy, mm-hmm. which I believe is going to be the third one. Uh, in production now, we also have Black Mirror, which I know that you and I are both writing a piece for. It's being edited by Dr. Sarah Hayes. And then Dr. Kelly Dunlap has just started work on the Zeitgeist of Bluey, which, uh, you know, all the parents out there rejoice. And we have the Zeitgeist of Discworld. Terry Pratchett friends, the Discworld series. So those are the ones currently on the docket that are in production and have been publicly announced. And there's another four or five kind of behind the scenes percolating at the moment across games and, and television and film. And again, like I we, we can I feel like I can share without without naming names of things, but I sent you like an email, it's like, okay, like just idea, idea, idea. 
and your exact reply was like, haven't you got a thesis to write? And I was like, um, you pitched a good idea. And I think that your idea, which shall remain nameless, will absolutely happen. I Someone else has offered to do that idea and I rejected it because I'm saving it for you. Oh. So there you go. But you have to write your thesis first because I'm a true friend and I would never add that to your pile when you have a thesis to write. So Dr. Rachel Coach called me a true friend. I can die happy. Um, <laughs> me with zero editorial experience, but I can edit a book. I know people. Like, <laughs> you're, smart. you're smart you'll be fine all right well thank you so much for joining me for this additional content aside from your, your, your flagship episode if you will um the, the first ever a little sight to be with you the first ever returning guest these are big milestones no well thank you for having me and letting me talk about this project i mean i feel like it's a it's a love letter to the witcher and it's funny i cried a little when i saw the draft like it's really i feel like it's my child contained in all my little child chapters inside of it um so thank you for giving me the space to gush on it for a bit there there is something really special uh yeah i, I spoke about this in the world up to us recording this about like seeing a proof of a book with like my chapter in it and that that's a very emotive feeling when like you see like something that you you know you know like the witcher chapter was a lot of work right like it, yeah. you know I, I put some effort into it because i cared about it and seeing that like ready to go it's going to be entirely different it's going to blow my mind when i physically see it in print i think me too i know um, we like, open the box and it's in there and you can hold it oh it's such an experience yeah it's cool is it coming out in paperback hardback e-reader audiobook uh it's coming back Maybe. Uh, no plans for audiobook at the moment, but I'm down. Uh, it's coming back out in paperback. And the wonderful thing about ETC Press, which is why I paired with them, is all of their content is made freely available online in digital copy. So everyone can access it. Everyone can read it. If you want to buy a physical copy, awesome. Buy one. The cover is going to be great. I saw some mock-ups this week. Um, but anyone can access the content for free once it's published. That's excellent. I'm I'm I've already warned all my friends and family that that's what they're gonna be getting for consecutive holidays. <laughs> Just various that's like right. books. Do. I'm gonna sign them as well because obviously I'm I'm a gentleman. Obviously. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, of course. I, I'm also sure. gonna buy myself like two copies and on my travels I'm gonna try and get all of the authors to sign their respective chapters. <laughs> and then I'm gonna auction one off for take this. Oh, that's my plan. that would be amazing. That would be amazing. I also, I'm obviously selfish and want one for myself because of course I do. Well, of course. I mean, now I feel like I have to carry one around with me too because that would be awesome to have everybody's signing. Um, and also, just, I feel like, I, again, I'd be silly not to ask, but like, yes. you've now written the book about The Witcher. Where 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 do you go from here? Like, are you still going to carry on reading the book? Are you going to play the games? Are you, are we we need to do we need to get so many authors and play the TTRPG for no reason. I know. Well, you know, Seth Pierce, the guy who wrote um, the the theory chapter. There used to be a live action LARP in Poland. They shut it down. It was a Witcher live action LARP, and he talks about that in his chapter. And I wish I could do that, but it, they shut it down. Um, what's next for me? I'm really campaigning. Let this be my pitch to be a voice. Uh, should there ever be new Witcher IP, uh, a game in a game, I would love to have a voice in the game. I think that's really where my campaign will land. I'm still reading the books. Um, I haven't read them all working on it and I wish I had more time to play Witcher three, but I don't, I'll be honest. I've, I've played it and it's fantastic. Not all of it, most of it. Um, but 
you know, I got three kids and a job and I'm writing books and stuff. So I'm yeah, just hard to squeeze to in 200 hours of content while also doing it's that. It's hard to squeeze in an RPG. I will continue with the book. I love the Netflix show. I will continue to watch the show. Um, should it have its final season? And yeah, I will just, you know, I have, I have all the Witcher things to keep me happy. I have before we go. Can I just show you my new, my newest pride and joy? Um, <laughs> In celebration for me finishing the book, I actually ordered um, a House of the Wolf uh, Witcher sword um, nice. by this place called Pocket Forge, where he has an actual forge in his backyard. And it was hand forged, and it is sharp. It is a proper sword. So this is my little keepsake for me for finishing for finishing the book. I, I can I can expect the authors of the book will receive their token gifts post publication. Um, I let let the record show <laughs> that my original reaching out to Pocket Forge was I want to get one for all the authors for their respective schools because some are Wolf and some are Griffin and some are Viper. And then he was like, that's going to be like thousands of dollars. And I was like, cool, I'm just going to get one uh, for me. And <laughs> so you will have gifts, but it won't be this because uh, they're very expensive. Fair. Well, it's all come out on the watch. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I hope listeners at home have enjoyed this insightful behind-the-scenes look, promotional material. Check out yes. the book. Atta links attached to this episode. Go read it. It's awesome. free. Go read it. Read it online. Buy a copy if you like it. If you see me in the street, Talk I'll sign it. it. Tell your Talk friends. about it on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Use it. a form of social media because all of them, I guess, at the moment. Um, and just very quickly, where, where can yeah. people find you on the internet? I, I'm still on Twitter, X, whatever, uh, at Dr. Coers. I'm also on LinkedIn, I guess, is my fallback. Um, and also YouTube. You find me on YouTube at Sightgeist. I will always be there. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. There you go. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed this. Thank you, Rachel. But for now, as we mm -hmm. all say in the show, look after your mind, body, and soul. Bye-bye. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Psyched to be with you. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. If you did, do please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps. Uh, otherwise, check out the description of the episode for the links for the guest, but also uh, to keep up with information about the show and myself. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed this listen. Uh, until next time, take it easy. Look after your mind, body, and soul. And I'll see you again for another episode very, very soon. Bye-bye.